Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Sorry for the scuffle about a second. I'm, I keep forgetting this thing keeps changing. My, my mic, sorry, adequate, which is me, the adequate host of Pride of Detroit PODcast. I'm Chris Perfett, as I said, the adequate host at P-E-R-F-E-T, Chris, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. I'm, I'm so adequate right now. I'm really <laughs> off my game to start this. This is the Pride of Detroit PODcast where uh, I are screw you everything on your up. game? This this is very important. That's that's an important distinction. Both things are true at the same time. Uh, this is the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We talk about Lions football. I screw everything up, and the other two guys basically carry my uh, carry my dead ass through this. So you can watch the podcast live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit or on YouTube. Search for Pride of Detroit. Download the podcast as always on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get podcasts. And uh, yeah, we're here on the week before free agency. Plenty of news to talk about. We've already seen Lions make some moves to cut guys and some uh, juicy conversations to have some words from Dan Campbell. And we are starting to lean back into our offseason mailbag to carry the show and carry topics that you guys want to hear. But first, let's get the rest of the crew in here. That, as always, is the fearless leader of Pride of Detroit. Jeremy Breisman, Managing Editor of Pride of Detroit at Detroit Online on Twitter. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, and please refer to me by my new title, Editor-in-Chief. Oh, that's right. Editor-in-Chief, <laughs> right. Again, I'm still waiting for that new title besides Adequate Host. But we're working on it. Yeah, we're working on it. We have to, we have to very carefully <laughs> carve out the, uh, the nameplates for the desks and everything that we just do not have. Uh, Everything we do is is done very carefully. Are you sure about that? Yes. No, I'm not. (laughs) I don't. As you were nodding on a non-visual medium. Uh, Third man. The man. The rock god. Ryan Matthews. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. How are we doing, Ryan? Two things. Um, One, this neck beard that's growing in ever since I shaved for charity not not a good look number two you keep the mustache you don't need to keep the neck beard yeah but i don't want to keep shaving it because i don't want to keep a mustache i'm sure jeremy understands this like this nasty dilemma of like maybe it'd be nice to have other facial hair but you can't go full mustache with like just some scruff i don't know what it looks like number two man i wish i could turn down the kind of money that kenny galladay did huh (laughs) it's beautiful that's beautiful money to turn down that is so let me get this straight. So uh, uh, as reports are out that Kenny Galladay, I wasn't expecting a start here. We talked a lot of Kenny Galladay in the last few weeks. We're not going to linger too much on this. But Kenny Galladay reportedly 
has turned down, I believe, 18 million from the Detroit Lions, somewhere between 18 and 19 million uh, per Adam Schefter. Um, and that was ESPN. last year. To be clear, that, not not that right now. That year. was last year. That when was they were last going year. Yes. That was last year. So that was with the Boston boys and everything. And uh, there's some questions if he's going to even get the franchise tag this year, Jeremy. Yeah, it was kind of interesting because really when the offseason started, it seemed like it was trending in the opposite direction. You know, you had guys like Ian Rappaport out there saying like he'd be surprised if it doesn't happen. You had Dave Burkett saying like it's a no brainer move. And now like the tide seems to be turning the other way. And we probably shouldn't talk about it very long because literally by the time I end this sentence, um, something could potentially happen. And, and the deadline is currently set for Tuesday at 4 p.m. But then there's also news that the franchise de- tag deadline might move because they haven't set a salary cap yet. And so no one knows what this franchise tag number is. So basically, things seem to be trending in the opposite direction with Kenny Galladay, where we're not sure he's going to necessarily be back, whether it be on a franchise tag or uh, an extension. Um but at this point, we we do, we still don't really know. You know, we'll, we'll get into what Brad Holmes and, and Dan Campbell said later. Um, but they didn't really tip their hand either. So, um, I think the most interesting thing though is Kenny Galladay turned down really top ten money, top ten wide receiver money, almost top five wide receiver money in last year, and that's uh, it's interesting. I mean, I, I at that point, I don't think any of us can like turn around and blame Bob Quinn for not getting a deal done last year because. That's that's pretty much, I think, the cap of what anyone was willing to pay for him last year. Yeah, I like that's that's a story as old as time in the NFL, Ryan. Like Kenny Galladay basically bet on himself. He bet on himself that he could do even the Lions, I thought, set that bar very high last year. And they just he decided, no, I can I can do better. He bet on himself. And I think between the injury with the injury that kind of took him out for a lot of time uh, last season, a lot, not a lot of play from last season, he kind of hurt himself on on that bet. Yeah, I mean, two things happened, right? He started slow because of the hamstring injury mm-hmm. and then that hip injury. But man, you know what? Kenny Galladay was probably feeling pretty good about himself after like that Jacksonville game. Like he was probably like, you know what? I made the right decision turning down that money. Yeah. I am a top five wide receiver. I deserve to get paid like, you know, I not not like I get, you know, I deserve to get paid as DeAndre Hopkins does, as Julio Jones does, as Amari Cooper, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, those guys that he would have been just beneath if Kenny Galladay would have accepted an 18 to $19 million um, per year contract. But yeah, that hip and missing all that time that season, I, I'd have to be surprised that if this new regime is coming in with numbers like that, because if they were coming in with numbers like that, I'm sure Kenny Galladay would sign a, sign a deal immediately. So um yeah, and the other thing that's so weird about this too, Jeremy, and I guess I, I never really thought about it until the report came out um, from Graziano about pushing the uh, franchise tag designation back without a salary cap even being established. Like that, that yeah. like we should have all thought of that. Like, why are we putting the cart before the horse? Yeah, yeah we I still mean, don't really have a number yet. And from what I read, like the NFL and the NFLPA are kind of at disagreements over it. The NFLPA kind of wants to wait until this uh, potential new TV deal gets done, Jeremy, with the the networks out there, which could sure. significant. We've talked about this prior. It could significantly boost that the salary cap number. Yeah, uh, I think I think everyone is still kind of expecting that number to be somewhere between 180 and 185 million. But um, without knowing what that number is, with you can't set franchise tag numbers so you don't know how much the franchise tag is you don't know what percentage of the salary cap that is because you don't know the salary cap so it's really just a waiting game right here for everyone and 
by the time that you, you're hearing this, if you're not watching live, you'll know what the at least the the franchise tag numbers are, which um, or, or when the franchise tag deadline is. I, I mean, it, it's all just kind of hanging in the balance here. And and meanwhile, we're just wondering why Kenny Galladay didn't or his agent didn't at least foresee some of the troubles that that COVID would bring to the salary cap and be like, maybe I should get paid right now instead of next off season because. I don't know if there's going to be a ton of huge deals this offseason or maybe not as much as there were in previous years. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he could have. They could have necessarily seen that because maybe. I mean, we like nobody knew what COVID was going to be as far as like where this was trending, like or if stadiums would open back up or even how much the NFL would take just because of TV deals. And again, that new TV deal was always waiting in those wings, too. I just think that they kind of expected it to be done sooner i i don't know but you know what you can do without waiting for getting knowing what the franchise tag is start making some cuts because you know you're at least going to be a little bit over the cap in the case of the lions you know they're not we talked about this on a previous podcast they're not they're not in a bad situation nor are they really one of those teams where there's a bunch of contracts where you can just shuffle them around and just proudly say the salary cap doesn't exist, which I'm starting to believe. I'm starting to believe the salary cap doesn't exist, Ryan, because I'm <laughs> watching what some of these other teams like the Saints are doing where we were like, oh, my God, what's going on with the Saints? And just every day they seem to magically make another 10 million from their uh, their number just disappear. It's um, really something. Yeah, it's some cap uh, cap gymnastics that are definitely happening in New Orleans. Cap necromancy. There's there's some there's some going on here in Detroit too. And I know it hasn't been made official yet, but the Desmond Trufant um impending release, the Lions are gonna cut him. I saw something interesting from Justin Rogers though, um, about potentially them floating Trufant as a name that they might try to trade. I, I doubt that there's gonna be any takers because of that cat figure, but they would save a little bit of money if they traded him rather than just outright releasing him. But um, that's, I mean, almost as, as, as done as done can be. Um, Jeremy, how do you feel about the Lions moving on from Desmond Trufant? It was just like a, an inevitable, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just kind of an unfortunate pairing that never worked out. I think all of us pretty much, I, I saw this as like the number one move that the Lions basically had to do. Um, 6.2 million in savings is, is a significant amount. You're, you're taking on a fair amount of dead money there. I think upwards of 4 million or so. But uh, at this point, you know, you're, you're just not getting that sort of production out of them. And even if you were, there's really no point in it. Like you want to you want to get those young guys out there. You want to get at the Mani Oruari and Jeff Okuda out there. And, and Desmond, like, I think it works out best for Desmond Trufant. Obviously, he's not going to get necessarily the big payday with a with a big salary he was due to take. But he can go find somewhere else where maybe he has a chance at a ring at, at his age. And so it was just a move that that really needed to happen for both sides and hopefully there's not any hard feelings it was just it was a like we mentioned in previous podcasts signing him was always a desperation move to replace Darius Slay it didn't work out and now the lines are cutting bail and it's 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 not no harm no foul necessarily but it's not that big of a deal with with the dead cap yeah and I think it does it's it, it, he was a guy kind of brought in by a previous regime you kind of see these all the time guys yeah. especially if it's just a one-year deal like that guys a new guy coming in is like I don't really you know, there's there's no reason for me to keep him around. Uh, it it does make things interesting, I think, with the cornerback position. The Lions also today re-signed uh, Mike Ford, who mm-hmm. I believe Jeremy was an exclusive rights free agent. They just no, moved, just, a, just a restricted free just agent. A, just a restricted free agent. Excuse yep. me. So they they made him a deal. He he accepted it there. They're bringing Mike Ford back. So that's at least one cornerback on the roster. You kind of hope you have Jeff Okuda 
uh, get out of the couple years of malaise that he's had with this team. I mean, the yeah, the time he's had the malaise with the team and turn into something to have his sophomore year do a lot better than his rookie year. Uh, to say the least. Sure. You know, you, you're going to have Harmon, I believe. Uh, yep. No, Harmon's not under contract. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm trying no, to. No, basically, the team only the has. Coleman. Coleman is currently on the team. He's he's yeah. definitely a cap casualty nominee. And then, I mean, basically, your, your two starters are, like I said, Amani Orori and Jeff Okuda. And you hope you, the guys brought in Aaron Glenn as their defensive coordinator, a former defensive back is on his own. They bring in Aubrey Plaza. You just hope these guys get coached up. And especially Okuda, when you, when you invest the third overall pick into him, like you're kind of hoping that that's not going to bust out. Yeah. But I mean, cornerbacks take time. Darius Slate took time. Most, uh, I mean, it's not, it's not a, a, a rule that, that applies to necessarily everyone, but the general rule is it takes whiles for cornerback. And now I think the Lions have a, a, a coaching staff that can at- accommodate a, a, a young set of players. And that's what you want to do in, in a, a season where you're probably not going to compete for a Super Bowl. Develop those young players. Say his name, Jeremy. I want to see how many podcasts in a row you can say his name. I'm totally on board with bringing him back, but just say that you want Daryl Roberts back. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, inside, outside, you know, uh, <laughs> versatility. He can play the slot. He can play the outside. He's good depth. Mike Ford is good depth. I, I mean, if those are your four, your top four cornerbacks this year, Manny Oroway, Jeff Okuda, uh, Mike Ford, and, and, and yeah, Daryl Roberts. I mean, you still need to fill out the depth with a couple of special teams pieces and things like that, but you could do worse than that. It's you also not do. taking, it's not taking Justin Coleman in account, which, it's right. just going to be really interesting whether or not the Lions decide to keep him or not. And I don't know. It, it, he, he's not playing up to his his value. So he seems like he's a surefire cap casualty. But at the same time, I'm OK with those four guys you just named. But maybe you 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 bet on Justin Coleman being, you know, somewhat of the player you thought you were getting when Bob Quinn signed him. I don't know. Uh, I, I I need to jump in here real quick because Twitch chat is making fun of me because I, I called him Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Pleasant. My apologies to, to the Aubrey Lions. Aubrey Plaza would be kind of... <laughs> why, why does that name sound familiar? I'm, it's, it's, I am it's an Parks actor. and Rec, right? Parks and Rec, yeah. Parks yeah. and Rec, that's what it is. Okay, <laughs> yeah. wow. Good stuff. Yeah. Everybody, you know, people will call from IG. <laughs> Jeremy can get away with those things, obviously. Uh, also... I know you just wrote your profile today. Speaking of the backfield, um, we haven't started talking safeties, but you're kind of in uh, favor of Miles Killebrew too. Special teamer. I mean, I I'm is it I safe to get the Killebrew jersey? <laughs> sure, why not? I mean, he was the NFLPA representative last year, so he's got leadership in the locker room. He's mm-hmm. a guy who who's been, I mean, one of the most unheralded special teams aces on the team. Part of all four kind of. Uh, return and, and coverage teams, and should come fairly cheap. Um, I, I, I'm not. I'm not one of these people. that's like, well, maybe with this, you know, defensive back-minded um, coaching staff, maybe there's a reclamation project there to to have him, you know, contribute on defense. I, no, I don't. I think we're past that at this point. But he's a good special teamer, and you need those. Yeah. So one of the other things that did happen uh, this week as well, too. So the Desmond Trufant, not official yet. What is official is Christian Jones being cut as the linebacker position continues to look um, very, let's just say, interesting right now. Which I 
I, I know this team has to is probably isn't going to draft linebacker and they probably shouldn't, but uh, or at least in, in round one, I should say, but still like there's, this is a team that absolutely needs linebacker help right now. And uh, yeah, Christian Jones cutting him probably the right decision. I believe you save close about two and a half million in against the cap. But I guess the question as I'm looking around this for agent classes, who, who are you, who are you going to bring in for, for linebacker? I mean, it's it's tough, right? Like, I, I, the answer was never Christian Jones, though, right? I mean, yeah, it was never Christian it, Jones. It was the biggest head scratcher, maybe of the entire Bob Quinn era, when when they handed him an extension in the middle of the 2019 season, and he's the reason why the Lions are going to have to take on you know over two million in dead cap on Christian Jones this year, um, because they gave him that extension through 2021. Um, you know, I. I it was a move again. It just kind of happened. Christian Jones isn't the type of linebacker that this team is looking for. He's a liability in coverage. He doesn't provide a ton as a run defender, but if uh, he certainly doesn't provide any as a pass rusher. So like the, the one thing he does well is the one thing that, that we know the Lions value, which is the, the previous regime valued, I should say, which is stopping the run. Um, but he wasn't even that dynamic of a player there. So the Lions are going to move forward with Jamie Collins and we're going to get into why that's going to be in a second here. Um, but everyone else, I think, is just kind of on thin ice. You know, you got Jalen Reeves Maven as a as a free agent, potentially. You got Jared Davis as a free agent. Um it, it but but they need to find someone to replace Christian Jones because even though he was a bad player, he took up a lot of snaps. And so someone is going to have to take up that spot. Reggie Ragland is another free agent. So it, it's going to be a, a linebacking core in flux, but this this is a move that again, I think we all kind of just saw coming. I'll just go ahead and say it and I'll wait for Ryan's reaction. Kyle Van Noy, question mark. I don't even want to dignify that with a response. <laughs> the, those, those guys are gone, you know, so the Kyle Van Noy reclamation reunion project is, uh, is gone and has retreated back to New England. So maybe he'll go back to New England and that'll be good for him. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. But, you know, speaking of linebacker, Jeremy, you had an interesting article go up about um, potential connections to um, other players f- based on like the coaching changeover with the Lions. And, and you, you gave out five names. One of the names I thought was really interesting and I think would be a huge upgrade for the Lions would be Denzel Perryman from the Chargers. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, depending on the price tag, and that's the thing with, with this, is that the Lions are cutting all these players, but they don't have the cap space to to start signing like premier top level top shelf talent so that's where that that's where this um this you know waving spree that's going on in the nfl or that is going to happen i mean you're seeing guys like joiner getting cut today from the raiders um you know there there are all these you know players that could potentially live up to a new deal but the lions don't have the resources to bring these players in so um any of those names from that article that you wrote today stand out yeah, I mean, Denzel Perryman is is the best when it comes to talent and, and you know, connection. He's, like you said, he's with uh, the Chargers for the past four years with, alongside Anthony Lynn. Um, but, I mean, you, you're probably paying upwards of six, seven million a year for a guy like him, which might not be in the lines. It's kind of wheelhouse right now. So I think, you know, uh, it, it's not a great group. It's, it, the free agency linebacking group is not very good. And I know the draft class is just kind of okay as well. Um but uh, I, I mean, a guy, a guy like Neville Hewitt, I think is maybe one that that's kind of intriguing to me. His connection to the Lions is kind of tenuous. He he was in he was with the Dolphins in 2015 when when Campbell was the interim head coach. 
but he's he's a guy that it kind of springboarded recently played uh all 16 games with the jets started and, and had 134 tackles and i know tackles not the greatest source of uh of talent necessarily in terms of statistics but i think he's he's cheap he's someone that could come with depth and maybe have starting potential here if i'm being honest though like i think i think the lions they, they bring back um well they're obviously uh bringing back jamie collins and and then i I mean, do we do we want to talk about Jared Davis and how much Dan Campbell seems to not really, really like him? Well, we can't. We, let's save that for next segment. We're kind of over here. I want to get to one more thing uh, before we uh, jump to the next thing. But I think that's probably a good place to talk about Jared Davis is the on the other side. Is sure, the thing but. you want to talk about Jelani Tavai? <laughs> no, I do not want to talk about Jelani oh. Tavai. Thank you very okay. much. Um, well, I also want to save J.B. Collins contract for the other side, but okay. um, I want to talk about Chase Daniels. I knew it. (laughs) Daniel singular. I'm sorry. I keep doing that. Um, Yeah, no, this this is fascinating to me. So Lions have let everyone know that they're shopping around Chase Daniel. Probably doesn't get you more than a seventh rounder. I do know that it would. The the difference, I think, Jeremy, Ryan, is basically you're basically saving more money. If you trade him versus cut him, you'd say you'd save two point three million if he's cut. You'd save three point eight if he's traded. Yeah. And, and, and the reasoning that, for yeah. that really quick, just to, if you're interested in the details of that, it's because one point five million of his salary in twenty twenty one is guaranteed. So the 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 team that takes him on will take on the guaranteed salary. Otherwise, all the, like the guaranteed bonuses that accelerates to the Lions. But if it's guaranteed salary, that moves to the next team. So that's where the extra one point five million is coming from. I feel like it's almost too much to ask a team to take on and also give up like a seventh rounder, but I could potentially see it, Ryan, just because the market right now for quarterback, even someone on a backup seems very incoherent right now across the entire NFL. Yeah, like, I'll say it. it. Yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll say it. If Brad Holmes is able to find a trade partner for Chase Daniel, it's better than the Matthew Stafford trade. <laughs> Wait, I, I do not here. agree there. I do not agree there, but uh, it would be a miracle if he did pull it off. He would have some sort of psychic powers to get uh, someone to agree to that. It's like you take our poo and also give us something in return. If he got a six round pick for Chase Daniel, I would be naked down Woodward right now. God, I, I don't want that to happen. Too late to crown him executive of the year. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> No, but, but seriously, I, do think, I, I, yeah. I don't I don't I don't know why teams would be interested in Chase Daniel. I understand that like I understand the backup quarterback who you're hoping the only thing he does is is scout team and hopes to prepare you for whatever team you're playing on Sunday. But Chase Daniel offers you absolutely nothing as an actual player. Like and, and so like that's why he just doesn't make any sense for the Lions, right? Because for a team that's looking for viable options moving forward at quarterback jared goff included david blau included chase daniel doesn't fit that mold and we talked about that on earlier podcast so i'm just wondering who around the league has the kind of draft capital to just throw a draft pick away and be like sure we'll take a glorified coach for a draft pick in i don't know about cap. in this salary I- cap <laughs> in in this economy, uh, I don't know about their draft capital, but I do at least have one team in mind that I could potentially see who could probably use that backup. I'm just pulling up their depth chart right now to make sure I'm not completely out of my element. But um, the Los Angeles Chargers, if they're not holding on to Tyrod Taylor, 
I mean, they've got Easton Stick, but they need that kind of veteran backup to to start to stand behind Justin yeah. Herbert. No, I, I think I think you're onto something there. I think I think the the landing place for a guy like him is is a young quarterback, is someone with either a rookie or a second or third year quarterback. And so the question is, like, he's got a four point three million dollar base salary. That's mm-hmm. not insignificant for a backup. That's a pretty no, significant not. backup quarterback. And it's five million the, the next year. And so, um, you know, the team will be able to get out of it after one year if they don't like it. But four point three million is a lot to play to pay, especially if one point five of it is is guaranteed. So I I don't see this happening. I, I think the Lions are just throwing that out there, hoping that someone no, you know, yeah, ignores all the Twitter things. Like he's only made, you know, he's making two million per per completion or you know whatever that silly stat is um, throughout his career. Uh, but but I, I don't I don't foresee it happening. No, I I but I think it's this is basically in my mind it's still due diligence. You might as well just sure. go ahead and see what you can get anyway. And again, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. I will not run naked down Woodward like Ryan, but if it does happen, I'm not going to be completely shocked. How about just can not, you can you run naked down like Sepulveda? Then? You know, you don't have to come all the way here. I'm off Winnipeg. You know what? Yeah, my work is at Ventura and Sepulveda, so there you go. Yep. You, you pick one. You pick one in Van Nuys, and I'll all I'll right. do that. Yeah, the, the the thing with Chase Daniel is he just doesn't bring anything to the table. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> well, but, no, I. But I, I, the one other thing I want to say is like this is really analogous to like the Desmond Trufant thing, right? Like this is mm-hmm. Desmond Trufant hasn't been officially released because the Lions could save some of the guaranteed money by trading him. They're not going to find a trade partner, just like they're not going to find a trade partner for Chase Daniel. Because if they do. I am doubling down again, and I am saying that it would be a better return in the realm of understanding what's going on to trade Chase Daniel. I just think, again, it's a weird market right now for quarterback that extends not just for the top quarterbacks, but for the bottom ones as well. And there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of teams are turning over quarterbacks. Some of these guys are going to be new or young, uh, be it Tua, be it Lawrence in Jacksonville. And I'm assuming they're taking Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville, they'd be idiots not to uh, whoever lands Zach Wilson. You're going to need a veteran backup. That's just the conventional wisdom. And to be honest, there's a lot of there's a lot of journeymen out. There's not a lot of journeyman quarterbacks out there to do the veteran backup role anymore. Uh, I think it's kind of a dying because we're getting this generation of weird fail quarterbacks that's kind of coming in between. I don't I don't know. Maybe I haven't adjusted in my radar to those names like chase daniel and matt flynn who we always see on a roster somewhere i I, jaguars is an interesting one too because daryl bevel's there yes yes that is a very good point too i yeah all right i think that's enough on chase daniel i enjoyed that thoroughly though i just (laughs) want to get that out of the way uh when we come back on the pride of detroit pod cast we're going to talk about dan campbell and brad holmes are both in addressing the press this week i know that on uh, the, the Pat McAfee show, Dan Campbell made a pretty big appearance over there, and there was a lot of interesting tidbits to go through there. We're also going to talk about the D- Jamie Collins restructured contract. And later on the show, we do have a mailbag. So if you are right now watching us live on Twitch or on YouTube, get those questions. We'll try to field them alongside the ones we've gotten from Twitter or from our uh, our thread, hashtag AskPOD, if you want to get in a future mailbag because we're going to do a lot of them through the offseason. But we're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back and talk about Dan Campbell and the Pat McAfee show. We'll talk about Jamie Collins. We'll talk about 
you know, everything we gleaned from that needs going into the draft. A lot of juicy tidbits to talk about when we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome back to the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Coming along here to talk all lions, 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 lions. Um, okay, so we've had quite a bit i know dan campbell was on the pat mcafee show uh which was interesting because i know pat mcafee had uh was kind of put off by campbell in the past particularly on uh how he appeared and i know then of course jeremy's looking at me funny because of he, he caught that pat mcafee block no i didn't get blocked i didn't get blocked you didn't get blocked no i thought you got blocked no, he just Damn told me to f off. <laughs> Take he just told you to f off. Okay, I thought he blocked yeah. you along with it. No, 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 we're all good. But um, you want to start there? Or should I start on the Dan Patrick show? I I'd realize I teased that a little bit, but then I'm like, actually, the DP stuff. <clears throat> well, was more interesting. actually, why don't why don't we just touch quickly on Jamie Collins? Because we were gonna. Yes. Oh yeah, you're that. right. I, I completely <laughs> forgot about that. So we I did say I'd get to that uh, in the last segment. So Jamie Collins, his contract was restructured. Is going to result, and I believe. Uh, you have 20. Here's the thing we we, yeah. we don't know yet because yeah. the restructured details aren't out yet. Sport, Spot Track does have contract details up, but no one else has confirmed it. No one else has put any details out there. Basically, we know they're going to add voided year, voidable years to the contract, which means they're going to take his big nine and change, uh, Big his what was an eight point eight billion billion eight point eight million salary this year turn it into something like one million this year take the remaining seven point eight million turn that into a signing bonus and and stretch that out between the remaining years on his contract there's only one year remaining on this contract which is why when we talked contract restructures we didn't include Jamie Collins in our conversation but the way to get around that is to add voidable years and so if we're going off spot track and again I want to make clear this is not official in any point it's just what spot track has they added three voided years so that means the lens would in this scenario save 6.3 million in cap space this year but that means that 6.3 million is then spread out over the next four years 
because he's under contract one more year and then he's got three more voided years, um, which means basically something in the in the neighborhood of like a one point six million cap hit for the next four years with or without him on the team. Um, it also makes it very hard to cut next year because if they didn't do the extension, if they didn't do the restructure, they could cut him after this year and get ten million in cap savings back. Now it's only five point two million, and and he's also costing more. His his cap hit next year uh, is thirteen point nine million, where it would have only been twelve point three million. So it pretty much locks him down for the next two years. I was sorcery. Say. These voidable years things is sorcery to me. So I'm just a dumb idiot. What do I know? But it is it is kind of fascinating, Ryan. Like, um, again, we'd have to see how much, but it does sound like they've I mean, between what we talked about, so we're talking about what uh, six point two million in savings from Trufant, about two point five million from Jones. Let's just say, as Jeremy said, six point three according per spot track on on what could come out of Jamie Collins. I think we're almost like I, I'm going to have to add up whatever it could be from Chase Daniel. Either you're going to cut him or trade him, but I think we're already into like close to 15 million saved then. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like enough. <laughs> it seems like yeah. it's just not enough. Yeah. It, it pretty much gets them like, okay, now we're under the cap, but also now we have to sign a whole bunch of people and you're going to sign your extra money for that. draft and get stuff, get yeah. some free agents to fill holes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, right. it's a good starting point, though. It's it's good. No, 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 no. We're not. We're a week away from free agency and we've already done that much damage. I like it. I like it. So uh, where do you want to start as far as the press conferences? Excuse me. Uh, this week. So I want to start on Dan Campbell. We've got either Dan Patrick or Pat McAfee. Which was more interesting to you, Jeremy? I mean, I guess it depends on what topics you want to talk about from those interviews. I mean, uh, I don't I don't know if there was a ton from Campbell from Pat McAfee. It was I, to me, it was a lot of just like feel goodery like a bunch of like two i mean i, I hate talking a lot about his time with- two two meatheads kind of just like talking about football and and you know kneecap budding and all that stuff i mean it was it was silly and it's it's good entertainment and and i think a lot of lines fans love to see that sort of stuff about dan campbell i'd say the most interesting thing he said at least to me was the influence of sean payton on him because we know dan campbell's kind of an older school kind of thought guy and you know, when, when I hear that, my, my mind immediately goes, Oh God, like this is a guy who's going to punt. This is a guy who's going to run. This is a guy who's not ever going to go for two, but he said specifically Sean made Sean Payton made him a more aggressive coach. Sean Payton is definitely one of the more aggressive coaches when it comes to fourth down decision, when it comes to going for two, all that sort of stuff. And he said, some of that has rubbed off on him. And, you know, he, he also said a bunch of qualifiers that were like, well, but you know, I still do kind of believe in some philosophies and, in you know running the ball and, and ball control and i do believe that you can't just go based off analytics when it comes to fourth down decisions and and while that's true i do think too many coaches don't rely on analytics and too many say you know they they justify their position by saying oh well you know our quarterback wasn't feeling good or we thought we had an advantage running the ball it's just like no just just go for it more no, I, I disagree with that. Like the, the context always matters in that. And this isn't a sport where you can just be, I think, 100 percent analytics because the context does matter It's a tactical sport. Ultimately, at the end of the day, far more than baseball, which is just a number generator when it comes to it. You have 
very defined outcomes that allows for that in baseball. I don't think that works for football, but I, I did want to say on the Sean Payton thing, it's just, I keep coming back to that. And I, I did enjoy hearing that at least because I feel like every time someone wants to drag out Dan Campbell's name and talk about how did this unexperienced guy get this job and everything, they just kind of missing all those years with, with uh, Sean Payton. And uh, it's, it just it it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me because people put such a premium on those, including analytical people, put such a premium on. Well, you've got to come from a coordinator thing. It's almost its own orthodoxy, and I kind of hate it. Like you spend a lot of time with Sean Payton, you learn quite a bit. And um, although, as far as the meathead thing, I do enjoy that too. I'll always enjoy two meatheads talking. I know someone in chat saying Pat McAfee's not a, a meathead. I massively disagree. <laughs> he is an absolute meathead, meathead. And as far as Dan Campbell's qualifications for meathead, maybe he does have that in the past, but I do know on the Friday Detroit Discord, someone dug up the, uh, I believe it was a, it, it was a, it was an ad to buy Cowboy season tickets from the year 2000 and it was the early 2000s. I can't I don't remember right now what year precisely, but it uh, it involved cowboys going to wrangle a horse and then they call in Dan Campbell and Dan Campbell then goes and off screen tackles the horse. I just want to let you know, Dan Campbell played tight end in case you forgot. They went for a guy to to hit to lay down a hit, not an offensive lineman, not a not a defensive end or a linebacker, they they said, no, the tight end. We're going to have the Cowboys tight end tackle the horse. Love it. Love meatheads. Uh, Ryan, well, well, yeah, Ryan, yeah, why don't yeah. you get in here? Yeah. Why don't you, uh, it, let's open the floor to anything, any media appearance or, or press conference. What's something that you found interesting from either something Dan Campbell or Brad Holmes said this week, last week? I think it's the quarterback stuff. I think that's easiest to say it's the it's the most interesting because mm-hmm. the the Lions have just they have a bevy of options in front of them. They have Jared Goff. Looks like he can be the guy this year. At number seven, you can take a project like a Trey Lance and and have him sit behind uh, Jared Goff as as Anthony Lynn would prefer, as he said he would prefer. So. Um, I, I don't even think it's smokescreen. I think that this regime, this regime doesn't know how to like not be transparent um, <laughs> yeah. because like, yeah, I, I, I truly think that like every, every positions on the table and including quarterbacks. So I think that was the most interesting takeaway. And I know in one of those, I know Campbell did say that the top needs as far as depth. Now this isn't just for the draft, but top needs. He wants to target wide receiver, cornerback, offensive line interior defensive line and linebackers which i mean that all tracks to everything we've we've said on this podcast except i think i think we think the offensive line's probably in a decent enough position but you do need to figure out the right side of the line but you know do, do you agree with that assessment that those are kind of the top needs jeremy for sure yeah no question about it i mean it, it might have been a little bit telling that he said cornerback um, but I think we all knew that the Desmond Trufant cut was coming. And, and like like we mentioned before, Justin Coleman might be, might be right behind him. Um, but yeah, out of, out of that group, nothing really surprises me. Maybe maybe the fact that he didn't say safety is is telling and that maybe they have uh, a little bit of faith in, in what they got in their, in their two young safeties there. But otherwise, I mean, I mean, there's, there's really not a wrong answer, right? Like what in this team, what on this team doesn't need at least depth at this point? Everything. Right. Everything, but, I, but, especially linebacker. Yeah. 
But I, I do want to go back to the quarterback thing because for me, the thing that's tricky is we kind of, I mean, okay, so Brad Holmes says he likes a quarterback class. And he says, if you're in the top 10, you have to do your due diligence anyways because you're you're in the top 10. Quarterback, if, if you can get a great quarterback in the top 10 while you're in the top 10, why wouldn't you do that? Especially if your your quarterback future is cloudy. And, and it is. I, I think they like Jared Goff. I think they plan on him being the quarterback, if not for just this year, for, for the next two years at least. But we don't know what happens beyond that. But what I found interesting is what Dan Campbell then said on the Dan Patrick show a couple of days later, which is which made it seem a little less cloudy about the future because he says, all our options are open. I think that we feel pretty good with where we're going right now. But yeah, we're open to everything right now. I mean... If you watch that interview, he was basically trying to to hype up Jared Goff as much as possible without being physically, without being legally able to do it because he still can't talk about it. But he's, I mean, he's basically praising him. He's saying, you know, we're looking for a, a guy who knows how to win, a guy who um, has been in big situations and can handle himself in big situations, and and a guy who's blonde and a guy who wears the numbers one and six on his jersey. I mean, he was hyping him up, and 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 when he says we feel pretty good with where we're going right now. That makes me think quarterback is not high on on this team's priority list. It re- I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's me. Oh, you know, overlooking what what Brad Holmes said about you know his interest in in this year's class. But I also go back to our conversation with Justin Rogers and and what Campbell said to him, which is basically like we need the foundation before the quarterback. And the, I think we can all agree the foundation ain't there. Yeah, I mean, that's basically the Tampa Bay blueprint, right? Like they had every piece ready to go except for their quarterback. And if the Lions are doing that, then that's that's cool. And guess what? Like, I just I'm not ready. I keep saying this on the podcast, but I'm not ready to write the book on Jared Goff. And I'm, I'm maybe I'm a little more optimistic on Jared Goff than a lot of other people on Lions Twitter. I just don't get where it's coming from. I know he had a bad year, but like I, I and I know John Whitaker and I think we're going to get into this in the mailbag. Like John Whitaker had a thread that like, Hey, if, uh, if, Goff if, Jared Goff, if yeah, if Goff has another pro bowl year, he was talking about his, his trade value. I don't want to talk on that for a second, but like, let me just put it this way. If Goff has another pro bowl year, then guess what? You found your, your at least medium term quarterback for at least like the next three, maybe four years. It's the like, exact same discussion, but rewind it three weeks prior to the trade where it was like, well, gee, I don't know if the Lions hire a guy like Aaron Glenn or Anthony Lynn, they're going to get poached. Our good coaches are going to get poached. It's like, geez, awesome. What a great problem to have. The coaches, <laughs> the coaches are coaching well and the quarterback is playing at a pro bowl level. What a conundrum to be Let, faced let's, let's freak out about it. The yeah, Lions are having in a good situation. His- what do we do? Let's worry about his trade value as if we're like house flipping or something. What are we doing? Not not to call out John, and I'm not calling out John, but I know this has been a thing on Lions Twitter where people just assume that the only reason you have Goff is to then flip him later or to just eat. You were just you were you took him on to eat the salary as part of the trade or something like, no, they see him as valuable, man. I just I, I just don't know why so many people are saying it can never be again with Goff. We've seen a lot of times quarterbacks go to different environments and they just sometimes they do better on a new system. Sometimes they just have better pieces around him. And who knows, man, like I just, I, I just hate this forecasting right now with golf. I just, and I mean, it. not, not to mention if, if, 
if Jared Goff has a career year in 2021, that means he did it with a, a patchwork wide receiver, a bad defense, probably, um, you know, an offensive line that, that's still figuring things out. If Jared Goff has literally a top five season, which I mean, I guess that's what we, we can call a Pro Bowl season next year. Like that, that's a huge like sign that that maybe this guy is more than 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 meets the eye right now. Absolutely. And I mean, his, his talent's been there since college, too. It's always been the knock on golf is just he hasn't been able to put it together in the pro levels. OK, well, you work on that. It's not like he's got he's has a weak arm or something like he has all all the pieces there. He just needs to figure out where to really, you know, how to put it all together. Uh, I think it is time. We did mention the mailbag, so We do want to get into that and talk about some of these questions. I'm sure Jared Goff is going to come up again and including some big news that just kind of broke while we're recording. So I think this is maybe of interest to Lions fans. We'll talk about it in the mailbag with all your questions next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. time hashtag ask pod on twitter we haven't heard the mailbag theme in forever it's back baby oh we really did miss it by the way speaking of mailbag on near the weekends again check us out on twitter at pride of detroit to get when we are doing these but we have been on the app locker room for the last couple weeks answering your questions there through video chats uh it's a partnership we're doing with locker room for what's that Audio chat, no video. Audio chat, excuse me. Audio chat, I screw in adequate. Um, but yeah, we have we've been doing an audio chat on there, kind of an audio mailbag. You can come in, ask your question, and uh, Jeremy and Eric and Ryan, Eric Schlitt, will be answering those questions on there for you. It's a partnership we're doing with them for the next few weeks, I believe. Uh, we'll see where it goes from there after ago. that. A few months, yeah. Yeah. And and it's it works like a call in show. So like your voice is actually heard. I mean, if, you, if you're listening to the podcast on our feed, you've probably listened to maybe an episode you've seen it already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, please join us. We have I think we, we just crossed over 100 followers. We usually have like 30, 40, 50 guys there oh, uh, in the chat. And so if you want to get in line and, and ask us a question face to face ish. Um, yeah. Join us. Yep. It's good. It's live entertainment. It's all wholesome fun. Now we get to recorded mailbag, which is also just great fun, too. We start with this question. Jason Krowlick asking us at Crowlick on Twitter, which high end free agent do you think the Lions pursue first, if any? I think the high end free agent that the Lions pursue, if there is one, is going to be Kenny Galladay. Oh, okay. and I, and I, I mean, I, I, I truly think that like he's the biggest signing that the Lions could make this offseason. Yeah, I mean, if if they do go after him, I don't know if there's a ton of room for for anyone else. Um, I don't know. I, the vibes on, on Kenny Galli just I, we we talked about it at the top. They're just all over the place. At first, it really seemed like that he was their dude, and Galladay's specifically said like 
he's got a special place in his heart for Detroit. He, when he heard Dan Campbell's presser, he referred to himself as still a lion and he's excited for Dan Campbell and all that sort of stuff. But now like word that he, he turned down 18 million last year. Um, you know, he, the, the lions are thinking about maybe not putting the franchise tag on him. I don't know if, if I had to throw a name out there and it, it's, it's one of the more popular names out there and it, it just because it makes a ton of sense and it's John Johnson. Um, you know, I don't know how much lines want to plug in into safety. We, we've we've heard them talk about how they like their young safeties, but you're talking about a young safety who's playing at a hell of a level, a guy that Brad Holmes found, uh, you know, in, in the mid-tier of the draft, 26-year-old. He's going to cost him a pretty penny. And But but you're bringing in a guy that's familiar with whatever system they're going to run. He's familiar with with what this team wants. He's, he's a good culture guy, and he's a guy that, that will – always have a chip on his shoulder for from where he was drafted. And so if the lines are going to shell out money, again, safety maybe not necessarily the, the position you want to be shelling out a ton of money for, but you got two guys on rookie deals here. You got, you, you're got you not spending a ton on the position right now. So bring in a guy like John Johnson and immediately upgrade and, and, and hopefully, hopefully not have to play Will Harris. You know who spends a lot of uh, money on the safety position? The New York Jets. They franchise tagged Marcus May. True. So, um, but generally speaking, not a great formula for building a, um, a winning football team is spending a lot of money on the safety position, but no, I, I don't think that's a a hot take to say that anything the jets do, you should not do. It's just weird how you would trade Jamal Adams and then franchise tag another safety. Like, (laughs) what are you doing? Don't, Don't question Robert Sala. He, he was our savior two months ago. That's right. And then a bakery derailed everything. <laughs> Goddamn bakery. Uh, Zach on on our Twitch chat is asking us this question. Uh, your take on if opting out due to COVID could be a red flag. Now, he's talking about if in this upcoming draft, if a player opted out from their college season. Is is that a red flag? Well, the, uh, here's the thing. The interesting in the way the, the question was, was formed, could it be a red flag? I think, yes, it could be. I think there are some teams that might view that as he's not committed to, fo- he's not as committed to football as he should be. Should it be a red flag is a very different question. And my answer to that one is hell no. Someone putting their own health, you know, on, on, you know, n- not even their own health. Like, you know, as we now know, and maybe didn't know at the time, like COVID maybe not, necessarily as dangerous to, to the younger people than it is the older people. But these people had their families in mind, I'm sure, when they made this decision. And, and you know, they're, they're not just thinking about their own health. They're thinking about the, the health of their loved ones. Maybe they had a, a newborn. Um, I think you, you do have to go base, you know, you have to go, um, you know, situation to si- situation. It might be different for everyone. But in general, I am never, ever going to fault a player for putting his own health above everything else because, that's what you should be doing. Um, even even in a game of football where you're, you're putting your health on the line every time you step on the field. Um, this was something different. This was something that was scary at the time. We didn't know a lot about it at the time. So I'm not going to I'm not going to hate on a, an 18 year old making a decision in the middle of uh, unprecedented times. Yeah, I, I mean, the only thing I would say to that is, again, kind of reiterating that football is a dangerous game there. I think the other part, too, is that. I think there's a lot of confusion as far as what a lot of these teams were even going to do as well. Um, you know, we, we saw leagues kind of like ending seasons, restarting seasons, only playing X number of games. There, there was definitely a lot of confusion as to 
how these seasons would even be played. So I think maybe some players wanted to get out ahead of that. I, I'm sure it's going to be a question if there was such a thing as team interviews this year. Yeah, say like we still the combine, it would definitely be coming up for a lot of these guys. And I think mercifully, because there was no combine, this isn't going to really be too much of an issue, an issue, I think. And it's it's fascinating, too, because. I think some of the guys who did opt out are going to be targeted, but then got a guy like, say, Trey Lance, who only played one game in 2020 probably isn't going to face that same scrutiny on a combination of a no one seemed to understand how North Dakota State's schedule worked and B everyone needs a quarterback. Everyone needs that damn quarterback and they're not going to suddenly start questioning Trey Lance's toughness just because he only played one game last year. Yeah. I, I think what's interesting is what Jeremy noted, you know, could it be a red flag? I think it could be a red flag if there's a prospect who doesn't have a whole lot of tape out there and especially playing at the collegiate level, I think that that could be problematic. But if you look at a player like Jamar Chase, that guy's done it for a couple of seasons. There's no way he's not mm-hmm. going to be a top 10 pick. So um, it's really situational and and it's and it's by the prospect. So we'll see. I <clears throat> I can't imagine that it would be a red flag to, to too many teams. I think everyone especially understands the it's a weird there. year. Yeah, yeah. Well, talent trumps all in the end, too. Right. So. All right. Critical respect, critical perspective asking us this question through the comments. Which one of the following players do you sign to the 2021 Lions? 2014 DeAndre Levy, 2017 Darius Slay, 2010 Indomitian Sue, or 2013 Reggie Bush? Can we power rank these? I can do it it pretty quick. All right. Uh, Number one with a bullet is DeAndre Levy. I mean, Mm -hmm. the Lions are so desperate for a linebacker who can not only control the line of scrimmage, but can also, you know, play coverage, too. So, I mean, DeAndre Levy is number one with a bullet. Number two is 2010 Dominican Sioux. I mean, I I would do anything to have a disruptive defensive lineman um, of his of his caliber, because look at the kind of cheat code that Aaron Donald is. That's pretty close to kind of the guy that Dominican Sioux was um, earlier in his career. Um, I'll even take 2021 to Dominican Sue. So, um, <laughs> but uh, from there on out, like Darius Slay would be my next choice. Uh, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I, I want to believe that Amani Awarie and Jeff Okuda are going to be great, but wouldn't it be nice to just have a little, a little number one corner who can take away an entire half of the field? Um, Reggie Bush would be last. I I don't know why I'm. I don't, we have DeAndre Swift. Back. Yeah, the value's not there. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably disagree with you in that. I would probably put Indomitian Sue for my one, just because as I always, be I'm, you. I'm so starved to see this Lions team actually make sacks again. I'm so starved, and I feel like when for what Sue was as just a just insane freak in the interior that always needed to be double teamed. If you had any hope of stopping him that it does kind of take so much stress off of the rest of that front seven. And then, yeah, two for me is still is Deandre Levy. I'm not putting him completely down here. Then yeah, then slay then Bush. Yeah. I I actually have the same list as Chris. I Sue. I I, I know that's very off brand of of me because I I absolutely love Deandre Levy, but I I'm so desperate for, for, a pass rush from the interior. We haven't had 
it since Indomitian 2 since walked so. off the field. <laughs> and I mean, I I just want to get Indomitian 2 and Dan Campbell in the same room together. And and they were before, like they, they played together or they didn't play together. Um, They were together <laughs> in, with the Dolphins way back when. But like, I don't know, like I just, I want, I want that. I want that on hard knocks. I want, I want talking with TJ just with Dan Campbell and Indomitian Sue as a weekly series. <laughs> Not even way back when. I'm pretty sure he's when he signed that contract to play in Miami, his first year there was when Joe Philbin was shown the door and Dan Campbell became the interim head coach. Yeah. And and, and Sue said some some nice things about him. So um yeah. you know. I don't yeah, know. No, I just I, I, I miss Sue. It it brought an attitude to this defense that, that again we haven't had since. Like I don't like yes, he was he was dirty at times, and I don't I guess I guess what I'm saying is I'm okay with a little dirty. Yeah, if it's your guy, then it's fine. That's always been the that's always been the value proposition of football. And if you don't think that's true, then I'm sorry. I've got plenty of bridge to sell you there. And, and uh, not to mention, really quick before before we move on to the next yeah. question, like this 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 these this coaching staff has said specifically it wants to do what the Rams do with their defensive front and like like Ryan said well who's your Aaron Donald 2010 in Dominican two is a pretty good replica I'll take that yep yep all right next question here from Obido at two two thorough underscore on Twitter can golf still be traded we kind of touched on this earlier in the podcast and that I think some Lions fans are trying to do this weird triangulation, Jeremy, where golf play is just well enough that he then has value to be traded in the coming years. And you draft a quarterback that then as you are trading golf, that quarterback is ready to come in. And I just don't see it happening. I don't think it's realistic. I don't think it happened. I'm sure you could find some scenarios where that happens in the NFL. Let me tell you, trying to replicate that situation is damn, trying to make that situation artificially is damn near impossible. But if, and we talked about this last segment, if Jared Goff plays at a Pro Bowl level, you hold on to him. I feel like if Jared Goff plays at a Pro Bowl level again, you have greater chances that the quarterback you draft in the first round busts in two years than you do of Jared Goff regressing again. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't disagree. And I let, let's let's also just entertain the idea of trading him this year, trading him before he even walks in the building, mm-hmm. um, because I think I think there's still a subset of fans that hope that happened because he's got a big salary that the Lions are going to have to deal with and they can unload basically all of it. And I, I get why that sounds uh, appealing. I mean, you just talked about it. Like the quarterback market right now is wacky as hell. You could it's trade psychotic. Jared Goff and, and probably get a, at least the first, maybe more from the Chicago Bears. Now that would make things even more wacky because you're doing it in division. And um, and yeah, like I I get the appeal of it, but the most important point is the Lions just aren't going to do it. They aren't. They like Jared Goff. He's going to be the quarterback in 2021. He's probably going to be the quarterback in 2022. They might have a rookie quarterback in the waiting in the wings by then, but it's not going to happen. And and yeah, I mean, if you could somehow swing a two quarterback trade in one offseason and get three first round picks out of it, I'm not going to hate it. But the fact remains the lines like Jared Goff, and that's just a fantasy at this point. And I don't really like entertaining fantasies at this point because Jared Goff's your quarterback. Yeah, and I, I'm going to echo Cordy Aaron just post this in our Twitch chat. And I'm going to steal from him a little bit because it's definitely a thought I've had for weeks about this topic, too, is that 
I feel like fans treat the game of the the NFL like it's a game of Madden, that it's franchise mode in Madden, that these are just pieces and n- random number generators to be moved around on a board with no concern to what people think about your organization, to what they think about you, to what your words mean. This is an interpersonal business and just doing golf dirty. Who the hell wants to come play for the Lions if you're just randomly doing golf dirty like that? That also flies in like half the goal, stated goal of Lions ownership, front office and coach to basically build better interpersonal relationships and a better culture in Detroit. You're just going to blow that all up just so you can get more lottery tickets. I don't think it's worth it. That's a fair point. Yeah, you can't turn off the uh, team chemistry in this franchise mode, so... That's, <laughs> that's an important point to point out, Chris. Yeah, I just I, I, I just I don't see the triangulation happening. I, I know, again, there's been a lot of talk in Lions Twitter about this. And I just again, like just I, I'll say is like, just wait and see what golf is in 2021. If he's not good, then I'll own up. He, he, he'll probably not be good. If, if he's good, then I think the Lions should be holding on to him. But do you yeah. think anybody has ever had a tougher job? than having to be the guy who has to replace Matthew Stafford. Oh, it's an absolutely tough job, especially that you, we, we've already talked enough about the wide receivers. He's not going to have any of the weapons Stafford has. His main hope is that he, you're going to have TJ Hawkinson and maybe DeAndre Swift takes that step forward and that you still have at least most of your offensive line there. But it's a rough, it's a rough ask. All, it's a very rough to, ask. Ryan, all he has to do is win a playoff game. Matthew Stafford didn't do that. He didn't <laughs> even bring so... a playoff win here. He's garbage. Why are you doing this? <laughs> Mike Payton is rolling in his bed right now. Jared Goff is a better quarterback because he's been to the Super Bowl. Yep. I mean, facts. So the Lions yeah. could, could trade him and get three first round picks. That's because he's better. <laughs> you want to know, like, the the triangulation that Chris is talking about? Like, the Titans just traded their first round pick from a year ago. For a seventh round pick swap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that just happened while we were recording, too. Yeah. That, and, that. and there are so many people in the comments that are like, are you sure you're reporting this correctly? And people are like, yeah. Like, have you missed the story about Isaiah Wilson? Yeah, that, that's a disaster. <laughs> that's what a disaster. That's an like. absolute disaster. Like, it's 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 a, it's a sad disaster, too. By the way, we don't I don't usually do this in the recorded version of the podcast, but I do like this from our Twitch chat already. Somebody post a snippet Jeremy just said and send it to Kelly staff. <laughs> She'll show up on my front door with a pair of, of clippers. Kick down my door. Uh, complain about how she's up. being uh, imprisoned by the governor. Um, anyway, uh, let's see here. Loaded Aries asking us actually, uh, yeah, I'll, let me get to the Loaded Aries question. And then I know we've got one more highlighted one here, too. Um, loaded Aries, rather have the Lions draft the quarterback of the future or a hot new weapon in pit chase, etc. at number seven. I mean, it, it obviously depends who's there at seven. I don't want the Lions trading up for a quarterback personally. Um, I think I think you're trying to build that foundation and you know, starting it by, by sending away multiple firsts or whatever it takes to get up to two or three or wherever you're going, I don't think is, is the right way to go about it. That said, you know, these four guys are, are all worthy of top 10 picks. These are, these, are, these are good, talented quarterbacks in this year's draft. It's great. Um, Brad Holmes wasn't lying when, when it's a good quarterback draft class. That all being said, 
I think there's a good chance they're all gone by number seven. And even if they aren't, even if there's there's one and and you can pick out whoever it is, I'm I'm more eager to to get a weapon on offense. I'm more eager to get a Jamar Chase if he somehow falls to lines. You you might you might be able to convince me into Kyle Pitts at this point, but I mean, at, at this point, I just think there there's a bigger need at wide receiver. You you can develop that a little bit quicker than you can a quarterback. You can get a little more immediacy out of that um, rather than than maybe pushing a, a quarterback a year or two down the line before he even sees the field. So I, I don't know. I, I I want a wide receiver over. Are a you doing that on purpose? What's that? Pissing off Ryan. I'm engaging Ryan. I'm not. Uh, am I unengaged? Am I disengaged? What's going on? Um, no, I'm I'm in on Kyle Pitts. That's I mean, that's no secret to anybody. But um, I think if the Lions move on from Kenny Galladay, like. I wouldn't be mad if their reasoning for selecting somebody like Jamar Chase over Kyle Pitts was because, well, we we really needed to upgrade the wide receiver position. Awesome. Good. Like you went out and got a guy who is like by definition, a wide receiver like Kyle Pitts is a guy who, you know, maybe maybe he ends up being Evan Ingram. And is Evan Ingram worth a top, you know, 10 pick at number seven? Probably not. Right. But like that that I think is Kyle Pitts floor. Like, I think his floor is like Evan Ingram. And I think that he could be, you know, so much better. So um that's that's kind of where I'm at with the Kyle Pitts thing. If, if the Lions move on from Kenny Galladay and they want to get a true wide receiver, then I wouldn't be mad at that either if that was their explanation or rationale. Yeah, I think I'm in the I I'm I, I've made myself clear that I don't think outside of Trevor Lawrence, there's no lock for any quarterback in this draft. And I am more than willing to uh, step back from that ledge and find a hot new weapon or or trade back and just start rebuilding mass pieces for your defense and and your offense. Um, I just I just think trade down is probably more likely than ever this year. And I don't hate the idea of trading down this year. I know Jeremy loves trading down, but I'm not always of the mind to always do it. I just think this is probably the year to do it because just I'm not in love with any of these quarterbacks. I'm just not. I I'm sorry. Like I know we're st- we're starting to really get gassed up on Zach Wilson, but I just think outside of Trevor Lawrence, there's no one I have my eye on here. It's not it's not even like guys are going under the radar like like happened in that draft with Patrick Mahomes. It's just I mean, again, Trey Lance played one game last year and he all we already had questions about his arm. And Zach Wilson, I don't know what to do with. I just don't. He, he played at BYU. I don't know what to do with that. I'm not smart enough to do that. I'm an idiot. I don't know a lot of things. And I certainly don't know what to do with a quarterback who played at BYU and played a very weird year at BYU. Trade down. We got him. We got him, Ryan. He's on our <laughs> side now. I'm all for it. Everybody right. knows we're all team trade down this year. So hold the balloon. Drop the balloons. Chris is trade team trade down finally. Woo! All right. Last question here, and then we'll wrap it up. If the this is from uh Nate Savage on Twitter. If the Lions cut Chase Daniel, who would you like to see as a backup? And what is the most likely vet or rookie? Do they keep three quarterbacks anymore since we do not have Iron Man Stafford? This is a good question because we didn't really address this yeah, when we were can, talking about trading or, I, or cutting I, Chase Daniel. Go ahead. Can I go for the uh, second part first? Yeah. 
Because I was just looking up. Do you know how many quarterbacks New Orleans carried last year? I mean, I don't know. No. Are you counting Taysom Hill? Yes, that I'm counting sham, that sham of a quarterback. I'm counting Taysom Hill because he's still a body listed at quarterback. They had four on the roster. Drew Brees, Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, and Trevor Simeon. I bet you didn't even remember Simeon existed. I, I try not to most days. Yeah, so I, I just I just don't see as much as I know fans want to see them us only go to like two quarterbacks. I still think they're going to carry three. I still think they're going to carry three. I don't know if that third is Blau or anything like that. I don't think it is Blau. I think they just bring in their own guys. I th- probably good chance that they're probably going to take a quarterback like late in the draft just to take a flyer on him, like a day three quarterback. And then probably a uh, a veteran. As for who that veteran is. Let, let me just throw out a hot take out here. I want, yeah. the, I want the lines to carry two quarterbacks and I want those two quarterbacks to be David Blau and Jared Goff. Okay. I don't want him spending re- like spending resources on a good backup quarterback is a luxury. I don't know why the hell the lines did it with Chase Daniel. They shouldn't have. They certainly did not. They were not in a position to spend luxuriously on, on a backup quarterback. And they didn't even get a good one while they were at it. And to me, like if you're looking for that quarterback that, that, you know, say you draft a quarterback this year, you want a veteran there to, to help teach him the ropes. You know who that guy is? That guy's Mark Brunel. That's your new quarterbacks coach. Let him do his <laughs> job. Well, you you know why they signed Chase Daniel last year, Jeremy? It was because they ran into the Stafford problems the year before. Sure. And they probably said, hey, you know, we've tried drafting, a, you know, a, a litany of other quarterbacks and none of them have panned out. So let's get a veteran guy who can come in and compete. And also, I mean, like it was there like in case of emergency like Great. emergency emergency like Stafford goes down the Lions like need to win a game to be able to make the playoffs so Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia can save their job like maybe Chase Daniels that guy but or or maybe he loses 40 points to the Buccaneers Great either or <laughs> either or both are very possible both are very possible to happen but, but guess what either way pay that man his money So I mean so I just Ahead, looking at I was going to say looking at this year like I know everyone's saying it's time for the Fitz magic I don't I don't see that to be honest I think Fitzpatrick would come at a premium just because like he's at least done it as a starter in the regular season I, I really have to qualify that are always early in the right like I, I feel like Fitzpatrick uh, maybe this is a hot take I think you're going to end up paying more if you try to go Fitzpatrick than say like Tyrod Taylor yeah he he was the name I was going to bring up there's obvious connections to Anthony Lynn there and he's a good player and I know Ryan loves him and uh but I don't I know he's gonna be too expensive he just he's coming off a two-year 11 million dollar deal yeah Tyrod five, Tyrod I don't wanna, five and a half million a year on a backup quarterback right now that's where you want to spend your cap resources absolutely not Jared Goff not David be- Blau who cares he might not even be a backup I think there's might be some teams out there just gonna look at Tyrod and like look man you got treated unfit. You you had some bad, damn bad luck. Yeah, and there's enough quarterback starved teams out there. Like, what what are they? What what are the 49ers going to do a quarterback if if this is true that Jimmy Garoppolo is going back to New England? What Nick are they going to do a baby. <laughs> Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins, like Tyrod Taylor and Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic could both go at a premium. Yeah, as starters. 
I, I saw a mock draft where the 49ers moved up to get Mac Jones, and I was like, wow. <laughs> you move, move on from Jimmy G to, to get Mac Jones? I work for Mac Jones. So, That's Jeremy, for me quarter, quarterback is completely off the board at number seven for you? No, not, no, not necessarily. I just, okay. at this point, I'd, I'd prefer... Uh, you know, uh, a, a shiny new weapon for Jared Goff because because I just think that the team, based on where I think the team's head is at, I think they think they might have a future with Jared Goff, and so let's let's at least try that. Um, even though I know, like I I also like I I want to make clear, like I do think this is a talented quarterback class, and if they decide like this is our guy, and 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 that's the thing, like Dan Campbell said, it has to be unanimous. We have to all be on board saying, this is our guy. If half of us aren't sure, he's not our guy. But if there is that guy that's out there, whether it be any of those top four guys, then yeah, go get him. Like like I said, you're you're in a unique spot this year where you, you got a top 10 pick. You got plenty of draft picks in the future. You can afford to to, to roll the dice on, on a young quarterback, and you have a bridge quarterback already here, so you don't have to start him right away, which is how Anthony Lynn apparently wants it. So it works out that way. Personally, I'm just on board with grabbing a, a weapon, having Jared Goff ride out the year, and if he's down, then oh, oh no, we have to play Dave Blau, and instead of being four and thirteen, we're going to be two and fifteen or whatever. Like oh, oh no, that's where we're going to end it with Jeremy talking about guys grabbing a weapon and riding. That's where we always want to end it. Thank you for listening to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. As we wrap up here, once again, download the podcast, join us live on Twitch and YouTube and uh, have fun with us here. And as always, we sign off by telling you, see you star side. Oh.